Merry Bowl season and welcome back to the Lions College Football Podcast. I'm Brett Gibbons with thelines.com and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Kelly Ford. Kelly, we've arrived to bowl season. What are your thoughts and feelings? My thoughts and feelings are excitement, Brett, of course, because we get to talk college football. I'll be honest, I already missed the regular season a little bit. I know bowl season's fun, it's exciting. I just can't get over the fact that I know it'll be until next late August, early September that we get the regular season. But that just means I need to enjoy these bulls even more. And Brett, I'm going to say it right off the top because I don't know if you're planning to say it or not. Your bowl preview article on how to pick games in like confidence pools, awesome. If people have not already read that, it's over at thelines.com. I'll defer to you, Brett, on what day exactly it went up. Last last week, last Friday maybe is the day I saw it. Um, It was awesome. If you are joining Bull Confidence Pools, you have to go check out Brett's article because there are so many good tidbits in there. We're basically like, hey, you follow these couple rules, you can beat 80-90% of your pool just like right off the top. It was awesome. I love, Brett, that you love bowl season this much like it gets me more excited to talk about it because the energy that you have for this time of year is infectious and I need it because like I said I'm already missing regular season but you're bringing the heat so let's do it man I cannot wait to talk some of these bowls and they just get better too as we get going into bowl season there's just more and more to talk about so many storylines I'm excited man it's gonna be fun appreciate the kind words Kelly yes thank you go check out the bowl confidence pool cheat sheet Uh, live at thelines.com. That is a living, breathing document. I will be changing that in according to the betting markets moving. Uh, Yeah, pretty much you want to take some some beer money from your friends, that article will do it. If you want to compete in the larger, more sharper pools, we're going to have to compete with me first. But uh, yeah, that that should help you uh, along the way. Before we get into today's slate, don't forget to follow the lines on Twitter at thelinesus. I am at Road to CFB. And Kelly's work can be found at K-Ford Ratings. We'll be here breaking down the entire college football postseason slate, as well as every single bowl game upcoming. Let's just jump right into it. We have 42 of these things to go. Not just on this episode. Don't worry. We're going to space this out over the course of the month. But we are going to start with the Myrtle Beach Bowl. We have Georgia Southern, a 3.5-point favorite against Ohio. This game carries an over-under of 48.5 points. and kicks off at 11 Eastern, not noon, 11 Eastern, on ESPN from Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina. That is one of 13 FBS stadiums hosting a bowl game this year. The line has flipped. Georgia Southern opened as a two-point dog, and the under has also been bet down a bit. The reason that line moves so significantly, Ohio is down lots of significant players. Star quarterback Curtis Work, uh, he transferred. They're, both their top two rushers are out. Two of their top three receivers, starting linebacker. Like, we're dealing with a lot of stuff here. And to make it worse, backup quarterback C.J. Harris for Ohio suffered a season-ending injury. So we are now down to Parker Navarro. He's a grad transfer from UCF. Has 10 attempts this season, a couple of touchdown passes, no picks. Uh, So could do worse, but he's certainly not the most experienced quarterback suiting up. Georgia Southern, on the other hand, uh, look, when I assess these bowl games, I, I like to look at year-end finishes. Did you limp to the finish? Did you uh, win a, a bunch of games in a row to secure bowl eligibility? That can kind of give you a gauge on how motivated and, uh, and how up for these games a lot of these teams are. Georgia Southern, uh, they lost their last four games. They started off 6-2. and two. They tied for the second most turnovers in the country, and they allowed nearly 40 points per game during that four-game skid. Uh, however, they should be at full strength, should leading rusher Jalen White go. He did miss week 13 with an injury, so that's not insignificant. Uh, but, you know, I, 
I don't love the way they finish, but when it comes to bowl confidence pools, just a little bit of strategy here. I'm all over Georgia Southern. They're picked in less than 20% of ESPN entries, despite uh, greater than a 60% win expectancy. Just those numbers right there. You don't have to know anything about the, the players on the field. You just look at that number. I'm, I'm picking Georgia, Georgia Southern in bowl confidence pools. When it comes to betting, I still think 48 and a half might be just a little bit too high. I'm still on uh, the under here. Georgia Southern, they air the heck out of the ball. The defense has been really, really bad. So I think the number is inflated because of those things. But Ohio's opt-outs, man, that seriously, seriously affects their offense. Their defense is still really good. Uh, and, you know, that that's that was an offense that was already meandering. Plus, a little bit of wind in the forecast. Gusts around 20 miles an hour maybe this coming Saturday. And Brett, you said Georgia Southern picked in less than 20% of the ESPN entries, at least currently. Um, contrarian pick, right? I mean, that's what that means here is you gotta, you got to pick that yeah. low pick rate, and they have a 60% chance to win this game, a 60% win expectancy. Like, that's a contrarian pick 101, like you said. It was a concept that I was enjoying reading in your article, Brett, something that I hadn't really thought about applying to bowl season. Of course, you think about it during March Madness pools, which you even alluded to, but interesting concept for bowl season as well. And, yeah, an easy way, uh, potentially a, a smart way to try to get ahead of the competition. I won't say easy because nothing is for sure. We are dealing with probabilities, of course. All right, Brett, for me, I want to start – quickly by saying that my model the the k4 ratings the power ratings it's not designed for bowl season accuracy and so like what do i mean by that player availability whether it be opt-outs or transfers in today's day and age coaching changes travel logistics motivation levels for teams none of those factors are explicitly captured by my model when generating the power ratings for these teams that I'm using coming into bowl season, right? So obviously all of those factors are incredibly important and will have a huge impact on how the game is played and ultimately which team wins and by how many points, if, if you're a real sicko and you got some against the spread stuff going here in bowl season, essentially it's a, it's a long winded way of me saying, generally speaking, don't use my numbers for non-CFP games. For the CFP, my numbers are still useful because many of those factors that I just talked about, those aren't at play in those games. And there are some other non-CFP bowl games where my model can still be useful because we don't have some of those factors. But all in all, don't use my model. If you've used my model throughout the regular season, and I know some people out there have because you DM me about it and, and send me notes, be very cautious if you're doing so during bowl season. My model performs significantly worse during bowl season relative to the regular season. So I'm going to focus more on the season that was for each of these teams in these bowl matchups during the breakdowns and previews of all these all these uh, bowls that we're talking about. So for Ohio, it was a mixed bag. I projected the Bobcats to be the favorite in the MAC East coming into the year. And while they fell short of winning the division, Ohio still won one and a half more regular season games than I projected. They were led by a defensive unit that ranked in the top 20 nationally. And this was the best Ohio team since the COVID-19 shortened season in 2020 by my power ratings. For Georgia Southern, I projected a 6-6 six and six season featuring a slightly better than FBS average offense and a sub-100 defense. Brett? That's literally exactly what the Eagles were this season. The 2023 team was worse than last year's team in Statesboro, but better than the 2021 version. Now, because a lot of people may just say, okay, well, if his model is useless, why am I even listening? Look, <laughs> take the numbers that Kelly has from this season, because by the end of the year, they're extremely sharp. And then make manual adjustments if you want. How much do you think Curtis work is worth to Ohio's overall total? 
subtract that off. And, you know, the market's already helping you. The market's telling you that five and a half points is what all the absence is for Ohio's worth. Now it's up to you to decide whether or not that's enough. And that's how I would use the, the power ratings in bowl season. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to help you out with, with player opt-outs, availability, coaching changes, and motivation. So Pro- moving probably forward, a better way to, we have Probably a better way to say it right there. <laughs> Moving forward, we have the New Orleans Bowl. I'm not going to sit here and tell you all the sponsors and free advertising. Go look them up if you want. New Orleans Bowl. We have Jacksonville State, a three-point favorite against Louisiana, an over-under of 59.5 points. It kicks off at 2.15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, and it's uh, played at the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans, of course. Louisiana opened as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and that line was moved pretty quickly. Now you're wondering... What major player opted out here to change that? Uh, I'm here to tell you none. <laughs> There's players not playing in this game, but none that are almost seven points of impact. This was just purely market-driven, in my opinion. This was just an incorrect line that was posted up there. But both quarterbacks for Louisiana, Ben Woldridge and Zion Chris, are out for the year. They've been out for the year, though. This is not new. Chandler Fields, uh, he's going to be the one to start. He was actually last year's preseason starter, but there was kind of a will-they-won't-they thing going on uh, all season long between him and Wolderidge, so it will be Chandler Fields for this game. The Raging Cajuns, they also lost four of their last six games. Things just absolutely fell apart down the stretch, including Arkansas State, Southern Miss, a really bad loss. However, they are 5-1 and one New Orleans Bulls. A, a few of those came under Billy Napier, but Louisiana, no stranger to playing in this bowl game. Jacksonville State, on the other hand, probably one of the most motivated bowl teams you're going to see all year. They got uh, their postseason waiver was denied, but they still snuck in anyway. Uh, the the Thanos meme of, of them and uh, James Madison, they're inevitable. They're, they're going to arrive at this point, uh, no matter what you do. Their head coach, Rich Rodriguez, popular name around uh, the college football circles. He's 5-5 five and five historically in bowl games, but he's not coached in one since 2017, six full years ago. Something to note, Jacksonville State is actually starting a brand new kicker. As far as I see, he has not attempted a single kick this year. I, theirs went to the portal. You don't see that very often, but I, it's not anything worth to the point spread. But just keep in mind that like, if this game has to come down to a couple of field goals and you're starting a new guy, I can't say that that's not going to make an impact on the game. But when you're looking at the totality here, uh, the Gamecocks are healthier, probably likely the better team anyway. Yeah, Brett, no team improved its K-Ford rating more this season than FBS newcomer Jacksonville State. The Gamecocks' power rating is 11.4 football points per game higher wow. now than it was Jesus. in the preseason. I know, dude. Like, p- Part of that can be explained by the difficulty of projecting a team transitioning from FCS to FBS, but... I learned a lot from James Madison in 2022 as they made that transition, and I pretty much nailed Sam Houston this year, so I don't want to take away from what Jacksonville State did. Was I too low on them? Sure. But they also just performed much better than I or a lot of other people thought. With eight wins in the regular season, that's 3.5 more than I projected, making Jacksonville State the number four biggest overachiever this year. Simply a phenomenal year. I'm excited to see if Jacksonville State can build on the success that they've had this year in 2024, much like James Madison built on what was a great 2022 season this year in 2023. So again, 
Um, Jacksonville State won't be, per NCAA rules, bowl eligible next year. Um, they need a waiver, which, of course, this year they did not get. Or they would need not enough FBS fully eligible teams to reach that threshold to be bowl eligible as they experience this year. So just keep that in mind, Jacksonville State fans, as you're getting excited. You do have one more year of the transition window as James Madison experienced this year. I'm not sure how Louisiana fans uh, view this season, but from a numbers perspective, it's probably slightly disappointing. Despite a better-than-expected offense, the Raging Cajuns fell nearly a full win short of preseason realistic expectations. And more importantly, Brett, they fielded their worst team from a power rating standpoint since 2018. Yeah, at this point, you know, the line's been kind of beaten into place when you're talking about moving six and a half points, but... I, I think I still lean Jacksonville State, if anything, if you're looking to bet this number right now. Uh, the defense for Louisiana, big-time concern. Like, this is a this is an atrocious defense, especially when they're matched up with the pace of Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State still has that freaky athletic run fit. Uh, you know, you have no idea who's in the run fit kind of defense. Uh, and they still run the fastest pace in, in the country. But we saw less and or fewer and fewer problems, I should say, with uh, coverage breaking down because of that breakneck pace. That I don't know if they just got more conditioned or if as the temperatures cooled off, they were able to run faster or whatever. Uh, but that's just not an issue for Jacksonville State right now. So if you look in Louisiana, they held one FBS opponent, one single one, under 21, and they lost that game, a 20-17 loss to Old Dominion. So uh, this is all Jacksonville State, even with the spread, even with the, the number moving six and a half points favor. I still don't think that that is enough. Moving on to uh, one of the bowl games that probably doesn't get a lot of light shed on it, but every year we seem to have a great high-level G5 matchup. We have the Cure Bowl. Miami of Ohio takes on Appalachian State. The Mountaineers are now six-and-a-half-point favorites, and this game carries an over-under of 44-and-a-half points. Kicks off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. They play this one at FBC Mortgage Stadium, or the Bounce House, as we still know it, in Orlando, making it one of 13 FBS stadiums hosting bowls, that, of course, being UCF's home stadium. Uh, rain and wind are in the forecast here. It's still a little bit early. We're in the midweek, and this isn't until Saturday, of course, but keep an eye on that. Potentially 15-plus mile-an-hour sustained winds and a chance at rain. Miami, they are missing a couple of quarterbacks. There's a lot of teams, especially on today's slate that we're talking about, that are down to QB3, Ohio being one, and, and Miami of Ohio now being another. Brett Gabbert out for the year with an injury. He is coming back next year for, like, I don't know, his 12th year of eligibility. I swear he's been in, in Oxford just forever. Uh, and, and then quarterback, the standing quarterback, Avion Smith, hit the portal. However, I like where Miami is right now. They may be missing these guys, but there is a ton of buy-in from this team for next season. I, I saw this the big slew of announcements came out. All oh, their best players are coming back next year, and they're going to play in this game. They had their kicker, I think, hit the portal for a minute and came back, but this team's going to be at full strength if you're not talking about just the quarterback, which is a concern, but I'm not, a, I'm not as concerned about the quarterback situation with Miami, as I am other teams, considering the Red Hawks run uh, on 64% of offensive plays in their last three games. That's the eighth most among non-service academies and more than Navy. So we're talking about a team that ground and pound really relies on their defense. So I think being down to an inexperienced quarterback is not the biggest issue in the world. So if you're looking at App State across the way, star running back Nate Noel hit the portal. I think that is uh, worth a point or half a point at least if you want to be a little more conservative. But that's really the only player of note that they're going to be missing. These two teams should be pretty close to uh, 100% Sands a quarterback. Uh, the Mountaineers, they won their last five regular season games, including that shocker at James Madison. But their other wins, if you, if you look at it, uh, Southern Miss, 
Georgia State and Georgia Southern, who both combined to lose their last nine games, and uh, a sliding Marshall team. So I don't know that those that you know the James Madison win, awesome, five wins in a row, great, but it wasn't against the best competition. I just think it's great, Brett, that what we're 15 minutes in and you've already talked about two kickers hitting the portal, one coming back out. It's just like, it's, it's just crazy. We have 2,000 plus football players in the portal. Kickers, go get yours. What a season in Oxford. Uh, the Red Hawks won the MAC for just the second time since 2010, winning 2.8 more regular season games than I projected. That makes Miami the number 12 biggest overachiever this year, led by a top 20 defense nationally. This was the best Miami team since 2005, Brett, per my ratings. Um, just a really, really good Miami team. I mean, you're talking just, just after the Ben Roethlisberger era, uh, the last time that Miami was this good. I had tempered expectations for App State this season. The Mountaineers exceeded those uh, by winning one more game than I projected and ultimately winning the East Division. But from a power rating perspective, this is the worst team in Boone since 2014, Brett. I talked, we talked about this during the season. I think, actually, I think it was going into the James Madison game. We talked about, hey, is James Madison the new App State? Is that who we think of when we think of a FCS to FBS team now making some noise at the G5 level? Of course, App State goes out and ruins James Madison's perfect season in that game. I still, though, as you look at how App State is trending as a program, I, I just I want them to be careful. Like they need to kind of get back on track because I do think we're pretty close to App State fading from the forefront of the G five powers and being surpassed by some teams in their own conference like James Madison. So I think it sounds silly, but I think this is an important game for App State to 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 finish the year on a high note and see if they can kind of build some momentum into what I think is a pretty important year in 2024 for App State as they try to stay at the forefront of the G5 ranks in a Sunbelt conference that could be, maybe it already is, the best G5 conference uh, moving forward. We'll see. There's some really, really strong teams. I want to see the bottom get better first, but there's some really, really strong teams at the top and in the middle of that conference. Kelly, when it comes to bowl games, I we talked about it. I usually handicap away from power ratings, but I think you can use power ratings in this game. I would adjust Nate Noel for a point myself. Uh, you may want to just take a half a pointer, whatever your tolerance level is on risk. Uh, and then you look at the Miami quarterback situation, maybe one and a half or two points. I really don't think it's all that much. So if, if I'm taking all this into account, uh, I think I like Miami with the points. I would love to see it hit seven. Um, I liked it at six. I went back to go bet it, saw it move to six and a half. So I'm currently waiting. If it hits seven, uh, this is all Miami for me, especially in a low total game like this. Uh, the team is built on defense, which is completely intact here. And then uh, I think that maybe th we're taking an advantage of uh, too big a bump on their quarterbacks. I just don't, I've harped on it this whole, this whole segment. I just don't think it matters all that much the way that they play, but uh, App State, they are actually a great confidence pool pick because they're less than 40% at time of recording with a 67% expected win rate. So if you're looking to uh, make maybe some money, if you want to take the, the Red Hawks side, you can bet them. But if you don't think that they're going to win outright or you want to mitigate some of your risk, then pick App State in your confidence pool um, moving forward. We have the New Mexico Bowl on tap with New Mexico State playing an in-state bowl game. Uh, they are three-and-a-half point favorites over Fresno State, and this game carries an over-under of 51-and-a-half points. It kicks off at 545 Eastern on ESPN. If you're wondering why they have these weird times, it's just so that these if the bowl game goes to overtime, it's not stepping on uh, the next one's shoes because they're pretty much all broadcast on ESPN except for a few on ABC and one on CBS and one on Fox. Uh, and I think CW got the, the barstool 
one. But anyway, this game is played at University Stadium in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It is one of 13 FBS stadiums that are hosting bowls. I would expect a lot of New Mexico State support here. It's uh, three and a quarter hours away, so it's not like right next door. Uh, it's not in their backyard, but I, I, the support for this team right now under Jerry, Jerry Kill is is pretty high. So uh, Fresno, they opened as a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and that was quickly corrected. Again, I think this is another example of a wrong posted line at the open. There's really no major opt-out news. Uh, I just I don't know why they favored Fresno State, to be honest. They lost their last three games, including a game to New Mexico and San Diego State. Uh, yikes, those are some really bad teams that were like in full quit mode at the time, and they still lost to them. Uh, New Mexico State, they won their last eight games before having a chance, in my opinion, to have beaten Liberty in the in the Conference USA Championship game. Pavia goes down. Uh, a, a new kid comes in, plays pretty well, uh, but they just get outlasted. Pavia, he will play in this game, though. He did leave uh, that championship game. I think it was an elbow injury, but he's uh, he's been reported to be playing. This is a pretty easy handicap for me. New Mexico State is just playing way, way better football. Uh, Fresno, they fell apart after a 5-0 start. They have a, a minus 37-point margin from Week 6 on. They allowed 33 points to San Diego State. Again, like I said, that team turnover coaches, and they were just in quit mode. And, and you, you allow 33 points to a team that can't make a first down. Uh, Fresno, they're atrocious against the run, too. They allowed over 330 uh, yards on the ground to New Mexico. New Mexico State, one of the better rushing teams in the country. Almost 200 yards is about 13 in the country uh, I, I don't love New Mexico State on this side of three so I'd rather probably take a money line bet if you can find about a 160 to 170 range I would take that Jerry Kill has these guys just playing out of their mind you could make a case for Jerry Kill as national coach of the year Brett yes. uh, New yes. Mexico State's power rating improved 10.3 points since the preseason that's number three nationally wow. even more impressive the Aggies won 10 regular season games. Now, they did play 13. Keep that in mind. But they won 10 regular season games. Doesn't matter how many they, they played. I'm doing it based on projected win totals. 4.2 more than my preseason realist, realistic expectations projected. Jeez. That's number one nationally. No team won more games relative to expectations in August than New Mexico State. The offense and defense were both projected sub-110 and both finished 70 or better. This was the best New Mexico State team since 2002 by my power ratings. What a year in Las Cruces. I don't know how else you can sum it up. They over they exceeded every expectation. They're my number one overachievers. Jerry Kill, man, give him some give him a look for national coach of the year. It's it's off the radar, but he certainly deserves it for what this team accomplished relative to expectations. For Fresno State, Fans have to be disappointed with how the season ended, Brett. You talked about it. Three straight losses in games in which my numbers favored the Bulldogs. I mean, that, that's tough. Even so, Fresno State matched my preseason expectations going 8-4. and four. I mean, they just got, they got off to a really hot start and really faltered down the stretch. However, my numbers did have Fresno with a 36% chance to make the Mountain West Championship game. That was second best, just ahead of Air Force's 35%. Talk about another theme that, that faltered down the stretch. So, all in all, I understand the frustration from Bulldogs fans as this was the worst team in Fresno since the 2020 COVID-19 disrupted season. Jerry Kill, he does this everywhere. I, it's, no matter where he goes, he succeeds. He went 500 with that TCU team that had legitimately quit. Like, that's been widely reported. Uh, he won 10 games with Northern Illinois. He took Minnesota to the Texas Bowl and Citrus Bowl and a couple of AP Top 25 finishes. I, I mean, jeez, oh man, now he comes to New Mexico. New Mexico, there, there may be three programs in the country harder to, to win with than New Mexico State. 
And he just best, won 10 games with them. Best New Mexico State team since 2002. Like, that's, that's how I try to frame up in my, in my thinking and, and review of a year. And it, we still got one game to go. But in my review of a year, I really like to say, okay, look at win-losses, yes. Because at the end of the day, that's what's important. But from a true program-building standpoint, how does their power rating compare to recent teams within that program? It's the best team in over 20 years that they've had at New Mexico State, uh, and they have the wins to match it, which is really, really important from a perception and recruiting standpoint and all of that. So, man, maybe New Mexico State should have joined Conference USA a long time ago, I guess, is the uh, is the takeaway. <laughs> yeah, and, and the only thing that you can knock him on is he has a 1-5 in five record in bowl games, but this is an opportunity to improve that, in my opinion, less, less so than, a, well, he has a bad track record. All right, our last FBS Bowl game that we are talking about on the slate. We do have the Celebration Bowl on here. You know that I'm going to be throwing some FCS football into our episode if I can. We have the LA Bowl. I believe it is hosted by Gronk rather than Jimmy Fallon or whoever had it. Jimmy Kimmel, I think it was maybe uh, before. But anyway, UCLA now a four-point favorite, which I find interesting, against Boise State. This game carries an over-under of 49.5 points, and it kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Um, I'm sorry, we have two more. I, I didn't scroll down far enough. We have two more. We also had the Independence Bowl after this. Anyway, this game kicks off at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, uh, California, the Los Angeles. Uh, so this is a home game-ish for UCLA. It's not in Pasadena, but a few miles down the road. Um, it, it, I saw a big jump. Uh, minus two and a half, Boise State was favored by. I saw a minus five flash in some spots on Monday. Uh, but look, the Mount, Mountain West teams have won both uh, this game both years it existed. They played a couple of uh, Power 5, Pac-12 teams that just didn't really want to be there. And, uh, is UCLA any different than that? I don't know. Uh, but look, there's a lot to go over with personnel here. Boise State, uh, starting quarterback Taylor Green, he transferred to Arkansas because he's got that commitment. He will not be playing this game. Backup quarterback Maddox Madsen, he's out of this game with an injury. He suffered a, a year-ending one earlier. Uh, their top two receivers are out. Eric McAllister transferred. Stephen Cobbs hasn't played since week 10. If he plays, that'd be great. Good news, though. Ashton Ginty, the Mountain West Player of the Year, will play and return next year. So I'm looking forward to that. UCLA, they lost their defensive coordinator to USC. A couple other assistants are out. Their quarterback's coach I know is gone. Uh, and star pass rusher uh, Latu, he opted out for the NFL. Three other starters transferred. Carson Steele hasn't practiced this week. I, I keep an eye on that. I haven't seen a lot about that, but uh, not insignificant. So this kind of feels like a who wants it less bowl. We'll have a few of those, but this is our first one with like opt-outs and coaching changes. And I'm still seeing about uh, rumors about Chip Kelly. What's going on there? I guess he said he was going to have a conversation with his family, decide if he even wants to keep going. So I don't know, man. This is this is a, a, a tough game to handicap. I mean, UCLA's backups are likely more talented than Boise State's backups, but I feel like the Broncos have the motivation edge, and, and they like their new coach, and he's going to keep a lot of guys on for next year. So at this point, I, I can't back UCLA. I'll get to UCLA in a second in the season that was, but you, you said Chip Kelly saying, I need to have a conversation with my family. You know, is this something we must keep doing? Brett, I honestly think, and this is going outside of bowl scope and just larger picture, we're going to see a lot of college coaches hang it up or go to the NFL or just transition out of the profession, I think, given what it looks like to be a head coach in college football, high-level college football today, compared to what it looks like even five years ago, I mean, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, certainly – all the changes that are happening in college athletics, specifically as they relate to football, it's making the job of a head coach much different than it used to be. It's not better. It's not worse. It's different. And what we're seeing is this is not what a lot of these coaches came up 
aspiring to be and, and, and the profession that they're in, it just looks different. The profession that I'm in as a college athletics administrator looks a lot different than it did five, 10 years ago. And you're seeing people leave the administration side too. It's not an indictment on anybody. It's not saying they're right or wrong. It's saying the job that I'm currently performing looks significantly different than I thought it would. Therefore, I am making a change. People say that all the time in lots of industries. I don't think college football is an exception. I don't think college football head coaching is an exception. So we will see if Chip Kelly and or other coaches um, leave the profession maybe earlier than we would have thought if things didn't change. But the fact is they did change. And now you're left to determine what you want to do with that. If I'm slightly disappointed as a Fresno State fan, despite meeting preseason expectations, I am absolutely thrilled as a Boise State fan, despite falling short of preseason expectations. Yes, I did project Boise State to win the conference, but I did not think it would go down the way it did. This team won a full game less than I projected, but still managed to improve its power rating by a point over the course of the season. I mean, Brett... I, these are the teams that I like to dive into. It's like, how how did we fall short of win-loss expectations but exceed power rating expectations or the the inverse of that? It's an interesting kind of story that you tell um, as a team as you, as you evaluate that and go out th- throughout the year. Boise State is one of those teams this year. As an added plus, this Boise State team was better than the 2022 team that they had in Boise, suggesting they might be trending in the right direction as a program, which on the surface, you'd say, no way they fired a coach. They did that. Like the power ratings tell a story. And the story is, Hey, you're actually improving as a program. Keep doing what you did in the last month of the season, because it is working well for UCLA coming into the year, Brett, we, I'll say I, we're talking about a favorable schedule and a really good offense. If the defense could surprise some people, UCLA might be able to make a run to Las Vegas is is what I was saying. And I know I'm not the only one. I don't want to speak for other people, though. Um, Well, the defense did surprise some people. So did the offense, though. And that surprise was not in a good way. Um, Get this for symmetry, Brad. I had to, like, double check this as I was doing the prep. In the preseason, I projected the Bruin offense to be number 13 and the defense to be number 66. Current rankings, the Bruin defense is number 13 and the offense is number 66. Very interesting, very strange. You don't see that very often. Essentially, I nailed the two unit rankings, Brett. I just completely (laughs) whiffed on which unit was going to be the better one. Um, So it's interesting how that works. Overall, I don't know how to say it. It was a very disappointing year for a UCLA team um, that won one fewer game than expected and whose power rating fell a point from the preseason to current. This was the worst UCLA team since the 2020 COVID season by my power ratings. I'm going to be honest. I don't agree with the line movement uh, in, in favor of UCLA. This is Boise State to me on the motivation front. UCLA, the kids don't go anywhere. They just kind of stay at home. And, and look, that's going to drive uh, betting traditionalists just up a wall. Just to hear motivation and, and what are you doing trying to project what 19-year-old kids are, are going to it, – Dude, it's real. There's, there's some teams that just don't go anywhere fun, and their heads are not going to be in the bowl game. They're just True. not. You see that plenty. And UCLA staying home, which like – where else would you want to be in the country besides Southern California in December? in December? I get it. But, like, there's nothing new and exciting. Yeah, they have things for them to do, but I don't know that they come into this game all that motivated, especially since you look at the end of the year for UCLA. They flat they, they lost all their motivation. They got crushed by Cal in the final game. They lost to Arizona State. Uh, the only time that they won was in an absolute full quit-off against USC. That was a slightly, uh, you know, their rivalry game. I'm going to be honest, I, I think Boise State uh, I think Boise State wins this game. I don't disagree with you, Brett. Real quick before we move on to the next one, Dante Moore. 
any lean, any thoughts from Detroit originally? Seeing some suggestion maybe comes back to the Midwest. What do you, what's your gut tell you? I mean, it, former five star quarterback, right? Didn't work out. Didn't didn't uh, didn't stick at UCLA. Any thoughts? I know we're going to talk later about transfer portal and all that stuff, but I just I have to ask since he's such a high profile name uh, from a team in this bowl. Uh, Oregon's out because uh, they just brought in Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. I I've been. We'll see. I've seen some things about J.J. McCarthy maybe actually returning to Ann Arbor, and I know Michigan was in there. Uh, Michigan State, I think, is out because I think they're going to bring that Childs kid in from Oregon State. I honestly – I I don't know where Dante Moore's going to go. I don't know if he's going to go to a, a premier program. And if he does, guys, if your team lands Dante Moore, you should be excited about it. But I said about it with Ohio State, I don't know if he's even an upgrade over Kyle McCord. I don't think he's very good. That's where I was going. I was wondering if Ohio State was maybe a landing spot and what you thought about that. But uh, we, we can get that. into it later, I'm sure. <laughs> I know we got, we got a couple more bulls to talk about. I just had to ask, since he is such a high-profile name and really, hadn't seen the J.J. McCarthy maybe coming back, I saw a mock draft that he was a first-round pick, I think, going to the yeah, Raiders. Seven, yes, yeah. Like, uh, crazy. So he's, he's, he's probably going, and people are probably screaming at their screens right now, like, no, oh, he's leaving. But I don't know, man. I've, I've seen, like, one or two little bits of information kind of buried hints that, like, maybe he comes back. And honestly, I think we'll see – if I, I know Michigan, I think has a high recruit sitting behind McCarthy, the 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 kid that can run. Um, but I don't know, man. If they don't land a big name in the portal, I wouldn't be surprised to see McCarthy come back. Anyway, uh, final FB, our final final FBS bowl that we have on here. Now that I do see, it, we have the Independence Bowl. We have Cal against Texas Tech. The Red Raiders are three point favorites in this game. Carries an over under of fifty eight points. It kicks off at nine fifteen p.m. Eastern on ESPN, and it's played at. Independence Stadium in, in beautiful, sunny Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, it's one of the few uh, uh, stadiums that are like still sticking around just for bowls. Uh, so that, that's interesting there. Uh, I won't say anything about Shreveport. I'm sorry, folks. Anyway, Texas Tech, their star running back, Todd Brooks, he will return next year, and he's going to play in this game. That's good. Uh, I think he was the third leading rusher in the country. But three key starters, not just starters, good, very good players hit the portal. Another four hurt and probably don't play. Tech is a team that's beat up, but they did win three of their last four before getting absolutely torched by Texas in that last game. Uh, Cal on the other side, they saw a ton of transfers and opt-outs, but to be honest, the only one that really matters to me is leading tackler Caleb Alarms or their linebacker. Um, he's a major missing piece from from this end-of-year team, but like if you're looking at the quarterbacks that transferred, were either hurt or benched. Uh, top linebacker Jackson Sermon, he's been gone since week six. This Fernando Mendoza kid, he played all right. Uh, he's a freshman, so redshirt freshman, so he's got some room to grow, but I think he played okay. It wasn't, wasn't great, but Cal won their last three games against bad teams, but they did crush UCLA, who we just talked about. I think was in full quit mode, so I don't know if that was like a, a premium win by any, any stretch of the imagination, but I think Cal is missing fewer key players and seems a little bit more focused end of year, although I'm not sure either team is super focused uh, going to Shreveport here. I I picked Cal in my bowl confidence pool because they're only backed by 20% of entries despite a 44% uh, expected win rate. Uh, and I honestly, I think I take them to win this game. If I can get, uh, if we can get three and a half, I would go there. But it seems that the resistance point is exactly three. Every time it hits two and a half, it goes back up. And then when it hits three, it goes back to two and a half. So I think that's the resistance point. But look, with bowl underdogs, if you're going to take the points I would, I would take most of them to win outright. I, when it comes to bowl games, you don't see a lot of underdogs just covering the spread. If that's the case, then they're either covering a large double-digit spread and losing by a single score, or they're just winning the game outright. 
Texas Tech was a trendy dark horse pick in the Big 12 in the preseason. Yeah, um, yeah. well, I had Texas Tech fifth in my projected Big 12 standings, um, but I did think this would be the best team in Ludwig in more than a decade. Instead, the Red Raiders fell a win and a half short of my expectations, and their power rating fell almost four points. Both of those rank around number 100 nationally, so I think I could I say I swung and missed on that one, too. While it was a disappointing year for Texas Tech, Cal won one more game than my preseason realistic expectations projected, and this was the best team in Berkeley since 2015. So, Brett, I, I think I'm with you. You know, if you're going to take underdogs and points, just take them outright in, in bowl season. And you talk about what these seasons were for these teams. I could get behind the, the the Cal pick here, especially when you're talking about you know the contrarian pick and all those other methods that are going with it too. So. Good year for Cal, bad year for Texas Tech. Oftentimes in bowl season, we know what that means. That's what the numbers say about it. It, it, Texas Tech for the past at least two years, I can remember them back to even in 2018. This team can't catch a freaking break with quarterback injuries every year with these guys. Seriously, they play like four or five starters a year because everyone just gets hurt. And and the the top thing I saw coming out of Lubbock is that Baron Morton is going to be, quote, finally 100%. To play in this game. So that's just kind of the, the seasons that, that Tech fans have been dealing with. But if we're looking at the running backs, both of them actually have rushing props over 100 yards, which is kind of fun. Uh, I do, if this is available in your state, I've gotten people saying quit talking about props because I don't have them too bad. Uh, other people have them. I have them. So if you have college props available in your state, I'm, I actually like over 107 and a half for, uh, for Jay Knott on Cal. Um, just for a little bonus play there. But all right, let's wrap this thing up. We have... An FCS game. I don't know how many more of these we will talk about. Uh, they're deep in the playoffs right now. Um, and because we our recording schedule doesn't exactly line up with those, I've been enjoying the heck out of the FCF playoffs, man. There's been some great games there. But anyway, we have a celebration. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kelly. What? Uh, I was going to board? say, I, I have enjoyed the heck out of the FCS playoffs as well. And I've thought about tweeting that or put it, posting it on X, and I haven't done it for fear of what people would say. And I know exactly what my response would be, but I'm afraid if I say, man, these FCF playoffs have been awesome. I've really enjoyed it. The initial reaction from everyone is going to be, yet you don't want this for FBS, Kelly. You say stay at four, all these things. Like, I already know that's going to be the reaction. My response, which would be very valid, but I don't think people will respond to or listen. They're just going to take that and say, Kelly likes the expanded playoff. My response would be, while I love the F- FCS playoffs, you know what else I didn't do with FCS? Watch a single regular season game. Not one. Would I have watched more FCS games if they had a four-team playoff? Probably not, because I- I- I'm watching the FBS games on a week-in, week-out basis. But I can tell you that if FBS were to match the FCS expanded playoff, which we're getting closer and closer to that, I don't know if I will need to watch every single FBS regular season game. So my response would be, I watch zero FCS regular season, so there's really not a comparison to be made between FBS and FCS because I think those are two drastically different sports. It's college football, but that's where the, that's where the similarities end. FCS is a postseason sport for me. FBS is a regular season sport for me. People can disagree. That's my opinion. So yes, Brett, long way of saying I agree with you. Been a great FCS playoffs. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how it ends here. People will say, well, Kelly, don't you want that? No, I don't want that because I don't, I'm not invested at all in the FCS regular season. Whereas FBS, man, it takes a lot for me to get off the couch on a Saturday in the fall between noon and midnight Eastern time. Well, we have the Celebration Bowl on tap here. We have Howard 
Going up against Florida A&M, the Rattlers are six and a half point favorites, and this game carries an over-under 47 and a half points. Kicks off at noon Eastern on ABC. One of the better showcases, I think, of FCS football every year. Uh, it's played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It's the SWAC versus the MEAC, their annual bowl game, because apparently neither of those conferences, for whatever reason, are eligible to play in, in the postseason, just like the Ivy. I don't know, man. It's, it's kind of a strange thing to have. But anyway... We've had some absolutely outstanding football games played in this bowl since its inception in 2015. Teams from the Carolinas have won seven of the eight iterations with Grambling State in 2016 being the exception. And, of course, this year, Howard is located in Washington, D.C. It's actually it's an HBCU and an Ivy League school, but they compete in the MEAC for football. So uh, Florida A&M undefeated in FCS play. Their only loss was at USF. Uh, and they only played in one score, one one score game all season. They've just been uh, leaving scores short. They've been destroying their opponents. Uh, to me, this is all uh, Florida A and M. I'll uh, under seven. I'll lay it. Uh, I I saw it going the other direction for a moment, uh, but it's been bet back up. I, I would take uh, Florida A and M with the six and a half there. Uh, the nation's number two defense, scoring defense, behind only South Dakota State. My FCS light model, Brett, thinks that Florida A&M should be a double-digit favorite in this one. So that's what the model thinks about it. Again, bowl season, some things come into play. But I'd say trust the model a little bit more in this one than some of the other bowls we were talking about, given what this game means uh, to the FCS game. Yeah, guys don't opt out of this one. So Florida A&M for both of us. There we go. All right. That is our first bowl season episode. We'll have plenty more of these coming out for the next four weeks or so. Hop on over to our Discord server where you can connect with over 4,000 sports betting fans. Get live updates in the college football server. Join a sharp and very active community, especially throughout bowl season here. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lions YouTube for college football odds and betting videos for the remainder of this postseason. And subscribe to us on your podcasting app of choice. Drop us a good review if you like the show. Let us know where you land on these bowl games in the comments and the YouTube comments. Everyone's been really good about that so far. Kelly, before we officially close up shop, please let everybody listening know where they can find your work. You can find me on X at KFord Ratings. You can find me on the website, KFordRatings.com, and over at TheLines.com, Brett. Well, thank you so much, as always, for watching. I'm Brett Gibbons. That's Kelly Ford. We'll see you all next time.